style helps you get up the stairs and down. Truman Capote once said style helps you get up the stairs and down. Hi guys, welcome back to You Have to Wear Something. It's Sunday, it's post full moon. I'm in a good mood because I'm off work and I'm doing what the fuck I wanna do today. And I'm sitting here having delicious Darjeeling tea with the infamous Kim Mackin. Amazing, she has so many talents. I don't even know what this episode is gonna be about because I don't even know where to start. I met Kim Mackin in Chicago. She's many, many, many things. She's one of those people you're jealous of. You're like, okay, she knows how to make shit with her hands. She's a master tailor. She's had, um, she's designed clothes. She can upholster a fucking bench or a chair. She can make delicious soaps. I mean, and then she's extremely delicate and sensitive as a woman and beautiful in person. So welcome Kim Mack into the show. We are not in front of a live audience. So welcome. My heart, Nicole. Thank you for having me. Great. Okay. <laughs> so um, we're going to talk about whatever we want to talk about. I know this show is about what you wear and that's going to tie in at some point. Sure. But we're mostly here to learn about Kim and uh, all the amazing things that she does. So mm. you can start anywhere you want. First of all, how did you get so snazzy with your hands? Oh, well, I think, uh, I guess it started with generations of women in my family and our kind of, I guess, skills for making clothing. My grandmother really was um, a huge influence on my mother and then also on me. And she would make all her two girls' clothes, and she even made them Halloween costumes for, like, a a contest at one point, and she won, and they were, like, really amazing dresses, but then um, they actually took the award away from her because they thought she had bought them because they were so (laughs) well-made. So you come from a a, a line of, first of all, just... Immaculate sewers, people yeah. who are very good at making clothes. Yes. Which is just a very, I mean, at this point, an ancient art. It is becoming more and more so, yeah. Yeah, we should go back to probably more sustainable when people were making their own shit, huh? Agreed, yes. Making the pattern and then making the clothes, yeah. getting the fabric. I think we only need a nice closet full of clothes to, like, have you know, in our lifetime, and if we can, oh gosh, I don't know, like, the the mass production, the fast fashion is just filling the landfills, you know, and... Yeah, I've had a, a show, we want to go back, back, mm-hmm. I have an archive show about recycle, reuse, and re-something, mm-hmm. but it's just about being an investment shopper and being really picky. Yes. And even like today, like we, where, where do we go to brunch? What was the name of that place? Uh, Five Leaves. Okay, yeah. so we went to Five Leaves in Silver Lake, which I didn't know about, but we just kind of stumbled upon it. It's right across the street from the Scientology Center, one of the many in Hollywood, um, which is painted a beautiful asylum blue, AKA 50s 
crazy house, <laughs> a real throwback. Um, but um, I keep want to, wanting to call it Five Faces, which is so not what it is. <laughs> Five Leaves is a delicious fucking brunch place mm-hmm. with like farm to table products and artisanal craft coffee and yeah and it was beautiful interior beautiful interior so if you're ever in new york it's i guess it's new york based uh try it and then we went shopping next door at desperate that place is called desperate Mm -hmm. i forgot the woman it had she seemed like she had like a russian or eastern european accent yeah um desperate la and then uh right next to that is called the solid Goods. Solid goods, I think, yeah. Made solid. Made solid. <laughs> I knew we were going <laughs> to fuck it up. We went to Made Solid, which is owned by this wonderful man. Anyway, the point is, we went shopping. Mm-hmm. Retail is very much alive. You just have to be, like, very precise. And Kim tried on some wonderful things from Viveta, which I love. And, and she's going to give a think about. You yeah. know why? Because you should give it a think about. It should be love over like. It should be invest it should be how does this work with the things i already have um these pieces were just like custom fabric from inu that they were thoughtfully made from the very beginning of concept of design to the manufacturer and production and whoever's making them is overseeing the production in a quality control type of way and i think like that's really important on a mass scale it's really hard to get that kind of quality and and to know that your product is gonna last um, quite some time. So all the pieces that I have made and invested in that are, you know, more expensive, but I've had them in my closet for ages now. Mm-hmm. And, and for I plan to have them for a couple more decades because they're one, they're timeless. I make sure that while I'm purchasing, it's something that can transcend time. It's not so trendy. And then, so yeah. you think it helps the fact that you know how to like fix things and those how you know how to make yeah. things. So like when you shop vintage or or even if you try something on and it's not quite right. So remember, they're mass producing things. Even if they're mass producing on a small scale, like this store didn't have like 20 sizes in the back. You know, mm-hmm. it was like each. It was like kind of like a one of a kind thing. Mm-hmm. Um, when it's not quite right. We usually buy it and we say we're going to get it tailored and it ends up in a bag and we never wear it or we just skip on it. So does it help having that skill? Yeah, definitely. Even though it's my occupation, I do have a pile of fixed <laughs> fix stuff. You know, I think everyone just does. and But I do get to it eventually. It might take a year to get to yeah. it. But I can usually finish it within a day or two. And it's worth it because then, you know, these pieces I've been wanting to wear and for a while and even though they may be old or vintage they feel like new again and it just spruces up your wardrobe it's true you can always change things even before you donate or you throw stuff away i've been doing this since i was really young naturally and it was um i hate this dress or i hate this fucking top but if i cut the sleeves off (laughs) or if i take the lining out is it cool right you know and i'm really petite and you know, I mean, I'm just small, so everything's too long, you know, so I have to cut hems and all of that. Yeah. Anyway, so... That's kind of how I started, too, like, altering my own stuff, even even before I started making actual clothes or knew how to pattern make or anything like that. I would just, you know, turn it inside out and sew, like, up the sleeve and down the body and just take it in or, you know... Um, 
do a quick hem or something like that. But, yeah. You know, I think people who have just limited sewing skills can really get started and kind of understand how a garment is made, even just by turning oh, it Oh, yeah. Out. I mean, most people now, I mean, you think Virgil Abloh knows how to sew? Fuck no. <laughs> and, um, I mean, Brian Lichtenberg, he took one clothing construction class before he started his line, which is not even really a line. It's like mm-hmm. more like sportswear, caps and beanies and sweat you know sweatpants and shit um pullovers um but yeah just consider it i think there's been a change in how we shop too because like i'm raised by boomers and boomers are raised by depression era Mm -hmm. parents so depression era era parents are trying to stretch a dollar make use of everything so when my mom would clean up like if there's an old t-shirt or something like that we turn into a rag and you yeah. polish wood you polish your coffee table with same. that exactly you do that <laughs> right because it but then i think the generation immediately after us the one that sucks no i'm kidding um the one right after us is not as fabulous um no, just kidding you guys are <laughs> yeah you guys are amazing boomers we we are part of the problem no you know what it is i feel like boomers created the system that messed up millennials and we we're like caught in the middle i feel like we're switzerland in that situation where yeah. we're like she told your ass not to go to college all that damn debt you know like our debt is like forty thousand, but their debt is like a hundred and forty thousand for you know college yeah. you know what i mean so that's between y'all and the boomers y'all work it out with grandma um but um yeah i feel like the generation after is like obviously obviously this generation is not making clothes or fixing clothes or tailoring clothes they're going to zara they're going yeah. to h&m and these companies are only getting bigger i mean all of these are billion dollar companies so people are buying it yeah and now teenagers are buying it and now the consumer is younger and it's just like i mean yeah. how do we get back to i i hate sewing I don't even like to put a button on, but that's fair. It's I will very pay tedious. Yeah, the bu- but I will pay someone to put the button on. I'm not gonna dispose of the article. Sure. So, but I feel like a lot of old world and artisanal things are coming back, right? I think there's appreciation for it always. Yeah, because it's it's beyond beautiful sometimes to see that. I mean, that quality is in museums. If we value museum quality type things, and we base our culture around it then definitely that's another thing you can do too like people have been making art out of repurposed items i mean you know if you haven't ever been that creative i saw a sculpture made out of phones the other day i was at mocha i was at the broad i saw i'm seeing a lot more textile art actually tons of textile art yeah Mm -hmm. if you haven't seen the soul of the nation uh soul of a nation show at the broad and you're here in la you should go there's a ton of textile art and Mark Bradford includes textile in his paintings. He's incredible. There's this huge, 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 like 100 foot painting. I don't even know how to get it. It must come apart, mm-hmm. but um, it's textile, paint, layers, and it's all based on, um, he grew up in his mom's um, hair shop. And so the hair and everything that would gather on the floor. And okay, so well. his vision is based on that and so he he put together some old clothes and yeah. painted on top of it you guys can get creative with yeah, it very much I've, I've seen really amazing things that have blown me away and inspired me to maybe go down a path in that way i'd love to get involved in sculpture but i'm almost like um i love the idea of garden sculptures and something like working with bronze and fabric so something 
that might deteriorate in the nature, but also something that would be preserved and patinaed. And so that's a concept that I've been thinking about. Yeah, I, I read somewhere, I don't know where it was set up, but like the fake cities in Star Wars, um, out in the desert, oh, yeah. wherever they went to the Middle East or wherever they went, probably has become... Out here in LA. Probably just out here in LA. <laughs> like Palm Springs, fucking desert, desert Palm. <laughs> um, they um, left it there, but people go, and now it's almost like destination art where you go and you take mm-hmm. pictures in these fake Star Wars towns. Sure. You know, and it's just gonna, yeah, and it's just gonna eventually be like buried by the sand and Mm -hmm. all that good shit. Um, But anyway, okay, so I'm gonna ask you some candid questions. Sure. Because um, you had a a beautiful line, and you, I'm gonna say, took a pause because you still you're still alive. (laughs) She took a pause, and I want to know. I want you to be tell these ladies the real about being a fashion designer the good the bad and what you would change the good the bad the ugly so what did you really love about it first let's start with the good news okay um i think i was quite a hopeful individual in that aspect and and i thought that you know as long as i kept doing my work that people would acknowledge and you know take it for what it is and it would grow um and i i would i think the goal was to be financially stable um with my work of course as every artist is and designer but in a market that's heavily saturated and where mass production is king it is very difficult to um sustain a line financially and I think that's just my main thing where I ran into. But to talk about the things that I loved about it was that I got to a very interesting artistic space in my work and the way I was developing ideas and executing them. And uh, it became very cerebral. And I think I've never gotten to a space like that before and it was very transformative for me um spiritually and mentally and challenging um in so many ways and I think that that was probably the thing that I loved the most about it because I was accessing um kind of like a special knowledge that I think I just felt like I was sort of channeling this kind of energy, which felt really great. Um, yeah. You're, are you saying that like by starting your line, essentially it took you out of your comfort zone? Well, Is that what you're saying? Or you had access to parts of your mind and your creativity yes. that were untapped? Yes, correct. You were the able- second. The oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that It's not one- like you were like learning a new skill. You were just tapping into... I was developing my skill, for sure, because I was spending so much time doing that. So say you're a musician, and you're spending so many hours, you're going to become a better musician. Yeah, you're practicing. Yeah, yeah. You're going to become a better drummer. You're drumming. So I was definitely... I felt that I was becoming a better tailor, pattern maker, um, even designer, and just 
art artist in general, um, coming up with concepts and ideas and then trying to problem solve. And so that, that life lesson is very important. And it also did create a wonderful portfolio for me, even though, um, I ended the, the collection because of financial strain and I was and never... And tell people you financed it yourself? Yeah, I did finance it myself. And what would, and what would you tell everyone and their mother who wants to have a line about the financial part of it? That they should raise double the money, twice the money, get as much help as possible, ask mom and dad, what should well, we be doing? It's it's difficult because I think I was told off often, well, what you need is just to get an investor and what you need to do is, you know take out a loan and do all that and I think I just found it's the pitfalls of that and I didn't I didn't find an investor I think that's a kind of a, an idea that doesn't happen that often and let me just just to interrupt you for a second when you talk about investors venture yeah. capital or even fucking Silicon Valley it's a, it's a boys club and they're financing like scooters that are apps and things like that yeah. so like women like less than four percent of all women are yeah. funded by investors by venture capitalists or angel investors yeah and then less than one percent of that is like women of color right. so it's like like bottom line they ain't funded women yeah. like women are not getting the money for their ideas their businesses like they're just yeah. not and you and you people like, well, what about jenny kane well jenny kane's dad yeah Mom and dad are very wealthy. Mm-hmm. So she could stand to spend her first couple of years losing money, bleeding money, yeah. throwing cash at ideas, letting them fail and, and re right. you know, and trying trying different things. It creates a very false sense of, you know, security and for people and that it's just gonna be okay. And I think it was fine for me to invest in because it was investing in my career in general and I it wasn't that like Afterwards, I wouldn't have any work in the industry or anything. It, it led me to have a great clientele and... Network. Yes, and a network. And I went to New York and I went to Paris and I met with amazing people who wanted to help. But they also wanted to see me do more and make sure that I was going to be able to stick it out. And if I had the wealth, I would have been able to stick it out and they might have... Um, went with me but also we have to remember that this was during a huge financial crisis I know a lot of us start, I started the shrink boutique in 2007 yeah. you know because I had to check boxes before I turned 30 and all this mm-hmm. other kind of stuff you know I was 27 or 28 yeah. and it was like I was on my life was this has to happen of now course. and we you have, have to let that go that. we said yeah. that we put that pressure on ourselves like well maybe this is not the right financial climate to start that mm-hmm. um so you have to consider that too and consider the, the su- huge support system but you also have to answer the calling right so yeah. if you have an itch that you need to scratch professionally creatively or all of the above it's important to to try mm-hmm. you know would you still like if you could go back in time would mm-hmm. you still do it that's a good question um i do definitely would do it differently but also you know i think uh, under different circumstances yes i would i would try again um if i had the financial backing if money wasn't an issue 
if I had the support of a great team and um, and the wherewithal, I would definitely definitely do it again because it's a passion of mine and it's where I'm skilled and it's where I feel like um, I I'm wanted in that area in that field and so that's it's nice that's a good segue into the tailoring so professionally yeah. as a tailor mm-hmm. that is part of what you're doing today Yes, that is my bread and butter. Um, I do it on set, and I do it also for people. My clientele is celebrity-based, so I do a lot of red carpet events as well, and that's how it rolls out. Um, And I'm happy doing tailoring. It's just that it doesn't have a lot of creative energy involved. Do you feel a little bit like a a fixer or a technician at times? Oh, definitely a technician, yeah, in that way. And technical work is fine with me. Um, Actually, a lot of design work is technical, but it's still... I guess it's limited because it's not like a project from start to finish. And so for me, it's just like... um, a little lackluster in the creative department and I really am truly a creative. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so is this something that in LA, I mean, we're in the entertainment, you know, yeah. capital in America. Um, is this something that someone who is has a similar skill as yours tailoring, um, do you need an agent how do you get work? Do you wait for the call? Yeah. Is it just like wait for the call? It is wait for the call. Um, a lot of people ask me if I have an agent because I actually have a very, I love my clientele. I love where I'm at with it, how I've developed it and I've gotten it all on my own. And I know that's like a great feeling and it feels good to have that. Um, and I also work with a lot of stylists as well so those stylists are basically my agents in in a way (laughs) i hear you so it's word of mouth but yeah Yeah. because you're good at what you do the word keeps going yeah um and she's never gonna suck so there's just gonna the phone's gonna keep ringing (laughs) and we're just Um, limited in the amount of people with that skill and so it's even if if i'm not available people are always asking me well then who is who do you know and that's where it gets a little tricky because I'm like, I do actually offer up people and give people work as well through me. And people have even asked me like, oh, maybe you should start an agency because you're connected to this world and everything like that. But I just don't think there's enough. So is there a them. shortage? I would say that there's Kid- a kitties. in that aspect. Kitties, wake up. <laughs> yeah. Start trying to be Elon Musk. You Start need to learn to sew. Learn to sew. Get the skill from your, you know, your family if they have it. I know a lot. I talk to a lot of older people who want to pass down the skill to their younger generation. Is it rejected? It's rejected a lot, you know. I think it, mm, it mm, takes mm, a certain mm. kind of patience. Respect your elders. Yeah. I mean, my mom, my mom did actually, so, I mean, we're come again, back to boomers, home ec was in the high school, right? So you learn sure. to cook, mm-hmm. you cook a decent meal, you can make a decent dress, yeah. um, you learn to sew, and then this became like women's work, but now it's, be- I mean, mm-hmm. now it's become like slave work, right? Sure, yeah. You know what I mean? Mean. I mean? So, um, 
I mean, it, it trickles down in so many ways. You know, if you're making your own, you're doing your own, then some little child in Vietnam doesn't have to make it, then you're being sustainable. I mean, yeah. it, it affects things in a different level, sociopolitically mm-hmm. and personally and professionally. And so, you know, if you have the skill, the technical skill to tailor, mm-hmm. I hate to quote Cheryl Sandberg, but like lean into that mm-hmm. a little bit more. You never know where it'll take you. And again, the networking, like you said, you have this probably totally confidential list Mm -hmm. of people who you've worked with but you're in the place where that work's going to continue to come so coming full circle how do you keep yourself creative i know Mm -hmm. that you know Mm -hmm. how to do all the things under the umbrella of apothecary can Mm -hmm. you speak to that a little bit sure i really that's my passion and where i oh let's get to it (laughs) let's get to the hot stuff that's where my creative Uh, passion lies yeah um well that started back when I lived in Washington State I um, lived in Bellingham and while I was going to school for pattern making I was working at a soap store a soap supply and we would make batches of soap and other apothecary um thank you apothecary needs and it was pretty limited at the point it was just kind of like fragrance based and just these like melt and pour type things but I would teach a cold process so and that's where we make everything from scratch so it's like a fresh batch of beautiful butters and oils and you know essential oils and everything like what's up yeah how do you make like a basic soap like a basic brussel what is it so you need a few things you need a fat and you need an oil and oh, this take me back to Fight Club. Uh-huh. I think they taught us how to make a little bit of soap yeah, in Fight Club. Yeah, and the main thing is um, sodium hydroxide. So that's lye, and that's the stuff that will burn you. And what happens is soap like that needs to cure uh, for about three weeks. And so your bar of soap will be finished, but it need, it's like really soft, and it needs to harden and also um, lose... It, it needs to change in pH so you can use it on your skin. Um, and, yeah, so what, what else? Um, well, okay, so, like, like I've used some of her creations, and they're beautiful. So, like, when you make, like, a, a like a face oil or you make a soap yeah. and, and, you know, like, you want Himalayan salt or you want charcoal, like, yeah. having a knowledge of how these things help the skin the, yeah. the, how the skin reacts to them sure. like if you want to make the moisturizing properties. yeah the yeah. medicinal talk, talk about that that okay, and the cool. aroma therapeutic yeah for sure. properties of it so i work not primarily only with um essential oils and i try to choose things that are are beneficial for your skin and so you want um things with nice like fatty acids amino acids and um other elements, anti-inflammatory elements and cleansing properties and, you know, things that will reduce inflammation mostly because that's going to be the best thing for your skin. We're constantly inflaming our skin by things that we eat or um, the oxidized stress that we're in, you know, uh, 
living. Yeah, living pretty much stress. <laughs> Being alive. Breathing. <laughs> uh, so. My skin would be so much better if I wasn't alive. Like. <laughs> um, no. So... Uh, uh, couple things that I really go to all the time is calendula it's um used by native American culture and it's you know a lot of these plants are like have been around for their uses for a very long time and all the knowledge is out there it's written or it's verbally um translated through generations and I think you know, you can look at it as folk medicine, but it really is just plant medicine. And I think if we allow um, well, everything the to like do their work, and we we're really just vessels for that to happen. So. I mean, everything that is old came back, and yeah. people are just more receptive because Goop approves it, and Gwyneth Paltrow does it. Sure. So you you know you always you know you have not, to cons- consider the messenger, but I feel yeah. like it's not like we should be like bloodletting and like doing all <laughs> the medieval stuff, but like leeches, leeches. Yeah. Are, guys, when you get sick, go to the local store and get some leeches. Yeah. Put them all over your body. Yeah. Um, but a lot of things. Things, obviously people have been living on this planet for thousands of years yeah. and some things work and some things don't There's work some I mean remedies yeah. arnica and calendula tea yeah. tree oil some of the common ones um, even apple cider vinegar yes. like I know that you know I use it every day and I have like a little bit in the morning just to kind of yeah. wake up that digestive system yeah um, and then there are things that you know people don't realize how much we're still limited though you know I helped a friend she I will not mention her name yeah you know, but she came to me um, after she had burned her face off of a pressure cooker and she didn't know really what to do she did go to the hospital but they just kind of told her um <laughs> they didn't give her much you know as far as remedies they never do yeah not to and, hate on western but right and um, pills they always have a script yeah uh antibiotics type thing um so she came to me because she's really worried that her face would scar from the burn and it looked pretty bad and i just you know, gathered my books and I looked at everything that was about scarring or burns and, you know, and bringing down the inflammation and renewing the skin quicker. And I put together a serum for her and gave it to her that, that evening. And about 16 hours later, it already begun to slough off. And within a couple of days, she was looking normal again so it was really like a testimony to the knowledge that the plants do have and also that um that it was something it felt like a true kind of calling to me that I could help people in this way modern day medicine woman I gotta give it up that felt really wonderful to help in that way and that and I would love to do that on a larger scale and you know, maybe creating more of like a, a ready remedy that you could go in and purchase this like at your local Rite Aid or Walgreens because with burns and stuff, we have like, we need this immediate, you know, thing. We can't just wait for a prescription or we can't like necessarily even 
get to the hospital because we're afraid of the hospital bill, especially in our um, time with. Oh, you mean not having universal health care? I don't want to. I don't want to like you know, politicize or, or like I don't want to not like send anyone to the hospital when they should go to the hospital. Of course, they should go get checked, especially if you have a second degree or third degree burn. You need to go get it taken care of. But a lot of the times, you know. You just need to have stuff that's available over the counter that is powerful enough and it's just not available. And it's because it's stigmatized, because it's folk medicine or plant medicine. And I think getting past that, I think we're more open-minded now than we were, you know, back then. Oh yeah, people are like eating diets that that the caveman had or keto or whatever or plant-based. I mean, we're doing plant-based diet. Of weed, yeah. Of CBD. Yeah. Yes. Not everyone's trying to get high. Some people are trying to actually feel better. Yeah. Um, Uh, So, yeah, yeah, that's that's amazing. I think that, you know, it's not about shunning one or the other either. It's like being really sensible and mindful of how the way you treat your body yeah. Nourish your body, heal your body, clothe your body, clothe your Everything body. Is about the body. That's what I mean. I always tell people it's like it's not just about the clothes because if you just go and you buy shit and you don't feel good and you're not healthy, it like really doesn't do anything. I mean, that wears off very quickly. But if yeah. like you know, because people are like, I do self care day, I'm gonna go shopping, you know, yeah. but like real self care is it starts within, you know, mm-hmm. the mind, body, spirit. You yes. know, and then all the other stuff is just fun. Yeah. Earrings and things. You and know, that stuff is fun. Yeah, that that desire to go spend money on frivolous things goes away once you take care of your mind and your body. Yeah, sometimes you realize and you sleep on it. Like, you know, yeah. I didn't really need that. I got what I needed yeah. um, or what have you. Because a lot of those things are band, Band-Aids, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, me, and of course, you being in retail, dealing with high net worth clients yes. all our lives. We meet some of the wealthiest people in the world. They are the most toxic, the most sick, the most disconnected with themselves sometimes. Yeah. They're searching There's, for something yeah. that's not available. And they can literally hire like a medicine woman or a shaman to hang out at their house all day. You know what I mean? So right. like, that's what I would do if I was rich. I have like fucking, you know what I'm saying? It'd be a damn ashram, you know? Yeah. But like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. You know, so, you know, it's definitely not the cure to everything, even though we've discussed finance being a part of it I think it's all about all the pieces of it right we you know it being a tool you know plants are a tool money is a tool Mm -hmm. you know and getting to a place where those things are working together in an intentional deliberate mindful way yeah while you know while you're trying to answer callings creative callings right you know balancing all that out and and you know Kim and I to have these conversations all the time is like how much are we willing to sacrifice to get a paycheck so we could pay bills when you're a creative professional, these are the things that you uh, that are a challenge that you can sometimes struggle with from yes. time to time. So, how do we get this burn cream on the shelves for millions of people? <laughs> <laughs> I think just starting little locally is the best way, and then but also, I mean, this is something that I have to really protect myself as far as like copywriting mm-hmm. and infringement and s- stuff like that goes trademarking basically because that is the world that we live in and if I don't do it then somebody else is just gonna do it and yeah. take it and I really had it's a struggle and conflict with me because I don't 
really agree with trademarking um, plants and <laughs> plant medicine. I think it's something that should be for everyone. Yeah, your yoni egg doesn't have to be like goop approved. Right. Or branded. Or branded. You know, yeah. it's a crystal. It was a stone in the ground originally. Exactly. And, you know, people put their name on it and then it becomes... not. Th- I, and I love what she's doing. Honestly, we could all take a lesson out of the playbook of, of goop of what she's done. But what she came from an incredible situation of being an A-list actor and also coming from not just one generation of money, many generations of money to be able to do whatever the hell she wants to do, you know? So it's good to watch people who have done it and have been able to kind of insert this woo-woo movement. Mm -hmm. And from what I'm reading, more and more healers. There's more tarot card readers, psychics, uh, alternative healers than ever before. That's true. Herbalists, acupuncturists. But there are a lot of phonies out there. You have to be careful. <laughs> I mean, like, serious phonies. And people are willing to sell you absolutely Legit nothing. snake oil. Legit snake oil. There's a lot of that out there. And also, you know, I see all the time a misuse of essential oils being used for the wrong things. Or, like, people don't understand that certain oils are how they should be diluted and they don't understand that some of them shouldn't be used in the sunshine because they're phototoxic and then someone gets like a rash you know a sunburn on their face or on their body and and or just allergic or uh, can be like toxic to certain people's like um a lot of essential oils lower blood pressure and so there's a lot of you know knowledge out there that you have to arm yourself with don't not, self-prescribe all the yeah, time and not, and not just the maker the maker should be incredibly knowledgeable and fully um well-rounded in di- and diverse in their knowledge but the person who's purchasing really needs to also be armed with that knowledge as well so especially in that field so that's my and i mean well i'm not the last thing i would like to ask about aromatherapy about apothecary anything under the umbrella of that is how important scent is Mm -hmm. and how something smells sure so you know choosing scent and even scent can affect your mood it can affect yeah, and the certain combinations too. Some of it, it can make people like nauseous, you mm-hmm. know, or sick or what have you. Um, yeah. I think anything that's really floral and heady is really intense for people. So I tend to go on the lighter, more earthy. Um, like, if I'm gonna go floral, I do more tea floral type mm-hmm. of scent, really light. And what's it like? What's an example of a tea floral scent? Well, you smell like maybe. A, a really light jasmine mm-hmm. in in tea sometimes or like um chamomile is very tea like smelling mm-hmm. maybe also, it, what about lavender lavender is pretty strong lavender is very strong and also another one that can um, affect people's hormones it has a lot of estrogen in it Ooh, tell us um girls <laughs> oh wait i'm actually i've got that wrong it's testosterone oh okay it'll raise it yeah 
have it backwards. I'm not sounding very knowledgeable. About no, that's a, no, that's okay. I might. I just. I can't remember if it's. One I mean, just other. know that it can affect your hormones and yeah. be just. You know, because be yeah, yeah, some people want to go all natural and they're like, I'm living the uh, the non toxic life, especially out here in LA. Yeah. And then like maybe they haven't researched or maybe they aren't yeah. so in tune to their own body and with their own allergies and their own situation is. You know, you have to tailor it to yourself. You know, just because if someone's struggling with you know insomnia, you mm-hmm. know, you meet a lot of people out here now that cannabis is. Um, you know, legal, mm-hmm. recreationally, it's like weeds to cure for everything mm-hmm. lately. That, that's the new thing. It's just like, oh, well, you should smoke some weed. Yeah. You know, and it, it is like, you know, well, yeah. <laughs> smoking weed, and med- it is a form of medicating. It is. And, and, and recreation. Yeah, so it's like you got to kind of monitor that too. Like weed and CBD oil is not the cure for everything. People are like, oh, I'm using this thing with CBD oil. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like everyone's kind of... Yeah, no, I've tried. I've tried a lot of different CBD oils as well, and that's again another area that's oversaturated with the market right now. And it's you're getting, you don't know what you're getting until you're like really trying it, and the purchase price for it is really high um, among a lot of retailers. And I've also noticed I'm. I do have a little bit of beef with, um, what's beef. Let's go let's get into go. it. I have beef with Tell me, girl. packaging. Oh, right. And, and this idea of the weed business and the packaging that's involved, it's super wasteful. And it's like, talk about our generation is interested in it but i think the younger generation below us is completely i see all now all these little plastic packets yeah. on the fucking ground all the time yeah all the time yeah and, it, and it's like i don't know it's same thing too with all the scooters different scooters right. the bird and the lime and now they have these other uber ones yeah. it's like but those are being what's the carbon footprint of making the scooter right exactly the you battery know and, and, and the battery and it was supposed to be so because people who are riding those also have cars mm-hmm. so it's like are we doubling up on and people are dropping those things in the ocean they're dropping them in the on the ocean the rivers leaving them in the garbage yeah. i find them in the alleys broken all yeah. the time you There's see one them broken right in front of my house it's actually. one always broken yeah. somewhere and it's like they need to come and like gather so you know yeah. I, that's what i think too i think they should start giving a discount if you Bring your own container for mm-hmm. your weed. I can already see that coming. We can also just limit this idea of packaging too, because I think like brown craft paper that's from recycled cardboard or whatever is really the best thing at the moment. And we don't need to have like all this beautiful like stuff. I just feel with all- your logo and yeah, your it's, so and- branding is kind of driving it, right? Cuz yeah, so people remember is, yeah, your brand. brand. They want to But also the, having the package it looks fancy and stuff like that, but like and gifting and I understand the concept and the idea, but the concept is like something that we're just believing it and you literally have it for like 10 seconds you're opening it, you're getting it out and then you're tossing it in the trash and it's like 
Actually, you're even paying for the trash. You're paying so much for that trash. <laughs> you are. It's it's already included. And then you in gotta the price. pay for the trash to get picked up because in my <laughs> building right here where we're recording, yeah. I have to pay for the fucking water, the yeah. sewage, and the and the pickup of a la carte. Uh-huh. I have to pay like thirty to forty bucks a month no, just for them to come and pick up the damn trash. Yeah. You, exactly. you know, so it's just like you know, yeah. it's just something to think about when it we're is. like, oh, can you really pat yourself on the back for being plant-based when you are going and you're addicted to cbd and you're addicted to weed and i support that too like i want to find something that puts me to sleep but doesn't fuck with my mind when Mm -hmm. i'm sleeping but i also don't want to wake up groggy i don't want to feel like i'm high you know all this all these kind of things to consider with with weed yeah cbd Um, would be you know an aspect where you don't feel high from it unless it has THC in it but there there's definitely brands out there one I will shout out because I really love their brand it's Onda O-N-D-A and they have a full spectrum CBD oil and that means that there's other elements in there it's like full they believe in full plant medicine so you're getting a variety of cannabis medicinal cannabis but it's very low on the THC scales, so you don't feel high, but it, I have sciatica from mm. sewing and everything like that and pain. And within 20 From being minutes, just, the, yeah, just yeah, yeah. an awesome, <laughs> amazing fucking woman. I'm only 34, <laughs> but I've got arthritis already. Um, so uh, their, their product is actually um, really incredible plant-based, and they also have... You know, their packaging is, you know, craft paper, printed craft paper, but it's recyclable. And I think that's important. It's not, um, not part of the whole package. You know, you're just getting, getting the product and getting it. Without all the junk. Yeah, exactly. So. All right. Um, I got a question for you. Um, and I think those people as a, as a independent freelancer business woman uh-huh. I, what i have noticed too from b2b the way women treat women i just want to go back to their tailoring for a second mm-hmm. is how do you charge how do you come up with your rates what is sure. it like if someone's going to do what you do at the scale you're doing it what should be the range where you're honoring yourself because what women do is a lot of times they discount themselves yeah i often wonder if i'm doing that still (laughs) so i think it's important to just make for me it's important that my rent's covered and that i have you know i'm making at least i'm more than enough to cover my bills and and then some so and if i'm not being able to make that meet that quota then i have to upcharge my rate but for the most part i see what the competition is you see what people are charging amongst the field and that's what i'm saying is it often a secret and you don't know or do you kind of know i think well, when I'm getting hired on by a producer for a project, um, they ask me what my day rate is. So it's usually on a day, not hourly. It could be either or. It depends. I often give an hourly rate so it secures the job. 
And also, sometimes I don't want to be there all day. And so... Oh, that's why I got a, a freelance yeah. wardrobing ASAP. <laughs> I, had got, I, I landed in LA. I got this thing with Pharrell. Yeah. And Sierra, I was so, it was like a Nickelodeon thing. <laughs> and I was assisting, and I was there all day. I went from yeah. melting on the asphalt at the studios to freezing. And I had so much coffee just to keep me warm. Yeah. And they were supposed to pay for like all this other stuff, my gas. I never got the check for my gas. It was just a nightmare. I was like, nope, not for me. Yeah. You have to be. It's not glamorous, guys. Your own advocate in a lot of ways or with an agency that's really gonna buy for you. Um, so I just, I do all of that on my own negotiating and I just try to include everything in the price. So if, if the production, if there's mileage involved or whatever, then I'll just add, you know, $10 extra to my rate to kind of make up for it, so yeah. Someone just starting out if they, to honor themselves for a day, let's say a day rate, Tell them to not go below what? Uh, I wouldn't go below 50 an hour. Okay, so like yeah. for the day, don't go below 300 or something like that. Yeah, correct. Okay, so that's at least a yardstick of measurement yeah. because people, I think women shortchange themselves sure. all the time. And I think we have Because to, they want the work and... Well, we also have to realize that we live in a very expensive city. And that comes into account. So honestly, for the day, I wouldn't go below 400 a day. There you go, boss there bitches. Go. Don't go below 400. Cover yourselves. But if you're like... We don't have working. universal health care. <laughs> We're making salves for our yeah. third degree burns. Yeah. Um, which you should use. Um, yeah. I want to thank you for yeah. your knowledge and your time. And I've been wanting to do this show with you for a long time because... Awesome friends, and they they doing dope shit, <laughs> and they should be on this show. And it's not always just about the article that you put on your body; it's a whole integrated thing: mm-hmm. mind, body, spirit, hair, health, yeah. politics, gender, race, yeah. gender, class. Yeah. Um. So I appreciate your input, and uh, I'm gonna be waiting to see that Kim Mac and oil on the shelf. <laughs> Soft milk. Soft. Milk. She said the name Soft <laughs> Milk, which is like the dopest name for soap and Thanks. oils that I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. Um, milk baths. Milk baths. <laughs> and until next time, my few audience members, uh, as I always say, peace. <laughs>